Hello and welcome to Music Speaks. This podcast dedicates itself to how music impacts people's lives. For the show, we usually have three co-hosts, myself, our friend Mary Haddix, and our friend Sean Rincunas. Sean, Mary, and I believe that many people have a playlist that makes their life unique through music. We pride ourselves on building upon our musical knowledge with our featured guests, jamming to incredible music, talking about a wide variety of artists and composers, and everything in between. Today's episode will feature just Sean and myself, but Mary is here with us in spirit. In spirit indeed, and today's quote of the day is, a lot of people that come to concerts are in their 20s. I think they come to listen to something new, and I want them to be able to provide them that. Joe Hisashi. Paraphrased, of course. Um, Joe Hisashi is a Japanese composer, pianist, producer, music director, and most acclaimed film composer in Japan. Uh, We've talked about him a plenty on this podcast. Hunter is very tired of me talking about him, but yes, we continue his conversation today. I always like Joe Hisashi. We do, and we love him, and we can't get enough of him. And today we will sit down and discuss his classical music, as I begged Hunter we could a year ago. Uh, because that's the last <laughs> time we did these episodes. So uh, enjoy, and uh, off we go. All right, and we are going to get started with our discussion today of Joe Hisashi's classical music, which is different from the usual film music we've seen him do. So, Sean, if you'd like to start us with his Variation 57 for two pianos and chamber orchestra. Right, sure, absolutely. Um, And so, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, As I mentioned in the intro, I basically beg you to continue our discussion because, of course... um, he continues in the fashion of writing really great minimalistic music. He writes really good, intense, focused classical music. And we'll really get to that, the heart of that today. Um, and interestingly enough, I never thought I'd ever hear him write serial music ever. Um, but here we are uh, talking about some really serious forms of music uh, in regard to Joe Hisashi. Um, so Hunter, if it's okay, we'll start with the first movement. Uh, there are no mm-hmm. really, there are no really like titles for this for this piece. It's just that the that there's like there's three separate movements. The initial piece is called Variation Fifty Seven. Um, it, it it is kind of like a Steve Wright composition where you start out with original theme, things really do start to build on top of it, and that's kind of how it goes from there. Um, like I said, it's very constructive. It's built layer by layer. Um, and uh, what type signature do we start in? which is very Joe Hisashi-ish esque. Very yeah, the 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 three four time signature is something that he seems to like to use a lot, which I I really enjoy because I I really like the compound meter. Right, yeah. And also the color of the piano is what begins the pieces. Um it it almost feels very formulaic for him, but you know, unlike John Williams where it's kind of like very stereotypical in how he begins pieces or how we kind of see pieces Joe Isashi is able to take the initial the initial original content and still make it different and make it still interesting, which I think makes him separate from other different composers. Um, like I said, so it starts with piano. The color of the piano is totally different. Um, the piano is, is, is just so interesting because it starts with this very slow nature, kind of an ethereal sound. 
and then it kind of starts to break down and then we go from a dark to a really bright sound where we start to add woodwinds or add brass and some more strings um you keep going what do you what do you think hunter hunter are you okay buddy I think I lost you for a second because you just like <laughs> froze and stopped talking. <laughs> oh shit! My bad. Okay. Okay. Um, oh man. Okay. I'll, I will cut this. And basically, yeah. what, I, what I just said was I basically described down to um, from dark to bright. So anything that you would like to say on on this behalf, go ahead, buddy. Yeah. Um, so for, yeah, the, this first movement, it's funny you mentioned Steve Reich. It was the first thing I thought he was the first thing I thought of when I listened to the piece. Um, and I it was like, he was my first note right on there. I was like, very Steve Reich. I have repeating ostinatos. Um, it has this very industrial sound to it, which yeah. I feel like Reich also does. Right. And, you know, from a lot of Hisashi's, uh, even his movies, you know, I feel like the, the, the concept of the machine is something sometimes he tries to convey through, you know, whether it's, you know, like Howl's Moving Castle or something, there's this idea of, like, there's a machine and it's heard in the music, or if it's the plane from uh, Porco Rosso, um, something very, uh, something very mechanical. And this particular piece, I think, really lends itself well to that. Right, right. You, you know what's also really funny about that, too, is is how... Like like you said, I mean, it's really hard to to make comparisons from his animated works to mm -hmm. some more of his live action works, but it's easy to make connections from his animated works to his classical works. Yeah. Um, because I feel like that's how his brain works. Mm -hmm. You know, like he he sees in colors, he sees in common themes. He he understands that <laughs> even though those movies that we talked about, and and then one of my favorite things was that discussion that we had about Nino Cooney. And the, I'm still playing through the game and how complex the, the whole system is, but we, we understand the game because of the music. Right. Um, we understand the themes because of the music. And even though it sounds like it's kind of all over the place, it just it, it feels so um, explosive and so different. And um, something that I, I love about his writing is just how it makes you feel like you're flying. And it almost feels like when mm -hmm. you're flying, it makes you feel like you have these like heart palpitations. And it almost feels like that's what causes the piece to move. There's this sort of rhythm uh, aspect. Um, and, you know, there's this, this drive. And I feel like that kind of really pushes the first movement forward. Um, and then right at the end, um, it just kind of kind of explodes with, with sound. And I don't really feel like it ends in very Joe Hisashi-esque nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a lot of you know his works are. I feel like a lot of Hisashi's works, they come to a. And I'm sure it's intentional. They come to like a halted conclusion. They they don't do like a fade out or they don't do some sort of like you know a nice tonic wrap up. A lot of times it's just, it ends. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I, know. I mean? And that can be as effective as a nice. Uh, complete wholly written ending um right. 
which has its own place, but this definitely, you know, is its own kind of ending, which I think leads right into the second movement, even though it do it doesn't technically lead into it because there's no lead in. It's just he's finished with one, now to two. We move to two, yeah. I, mean, I was going to say before we get into two, which is right as we're moving along into two, I feel like the phrases are getting bigger and they're getting larger and they're getting more full and we get to four and we maybe get to five beats per measure. And then it just kind of just really just kind of explodes. And that seems to me like the most Joe Hisashi thing he's ever written. Because in my mind, mm -hmm. the explosion and the expansion of sound is exactly what Joe Hisashi goes after in his music. Um, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. You ready to talk about the second movement? Number sure. two. <clears throat> okay. So, number two uh, is. Sure. So, uh, oh, I'll start this time then. No, go ahead. Yeah. Please. Oh, I thought you were. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, oh no, my notes for minions for part two. You know that the second movement there. You know it. It's not melodic. You know it, it. You know I think very few of, very few sections in this particular piece are melodic, and that was you know obviously intentional. Um, but this one is like. You know, it's very accented. It's a little bit different from the first movie in that way. Uh, first movement, and. I feel like it's this. There's this repeating tone that happens throughout the whole thing that acts like a drone. Yeah, the E flat. And say it again. The E flat. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I feel like that also that provides your base. Usually, the melody is the base by which you build off of. But I feel like in this, he's just taking that one E flat tone and using that sort of as your bouncing board for the rest of what he's doing. Right, because like you said, it's it's perfect. E flat is the drone, but it's also the Starts with an O. Mm -hmm. It's the ostinato. So it brings us back to the discussion of minimalistic music, which is right. sort of that it bounces along. Uh, like you said, it's very spacious, very open. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is a very this is a, <laughs> this is a, this is a duet for two pianists and a keyboardist. Mm -hmm. um, when I say keyboardist, I mean synthesizer. And how many times have I mentioned that he he loves synthesizer when we talk about Joe Hisashi? Yes, he loves synthesizer. Right. Um, and and that's just so funny. Um, uh, for me, this this feels like a very nice deep har harmonic color of deep blue, like a nice like because because when we get to flat keys, it's it's more it's it's not dark, but it's like it's it's a little more colorful and dark. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Like it, it's open. It's different. It reminds us of the ocean. Maybe reminds us of like deep thinking stuff like that. Um, there's a there's almost like a like a hollowness. I think at okay. parts. Yeah. When he has this ostinato going, and then obviously the rest of the the uh, group comes in, and it's a little it's a little different. But yeah, I think this is my favorite movement because of how picturesque and like there's really no conducting in this movement. It's very full, and he just kind of closes his eyes and he just kind of moves his hands around. Uh, he's like, <laughs> is that a technical term? <laughs> That's the conductor term for "do what you want, baby." Um, <laughs> no, so I think I think it's interesting that when we think about really expansive, uh, non-tempoed -temp music, I mean, there is the the tempoed ostinato, right? Uh, it's it's pretty consistent. Going. But, however, everything else around that is basically expansive and non-rhythmic. 
um, mm -hmm. which is basically the, the format for the, for, the, for the piece, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Um, are you ready to talk about the third movement? Indeed. Okay, the third movement is, oh my God, all over the place. A, I wrote a very cha chaotic, happy mess, which definitely describes Joe Hisashi to its, to its core. Um, and I feel like I love him for that. Um, you know, it, it doesn't, and I'm sure, I'm sure to the untrained ear, it doesn't sound um, minimalistic, but mm here -hmm. you know, I, I can prove it because the way that it that it works is that we have things like I said in the first movement. It's basically based on. I mean, it is a variation. So basically, what what Joe Isashi is doing is that he's taking a, a singular theme and then he's building upon that theme with other variations of the original theme within uh, the actual piece of music, which I know sounds like a uh, a hero built on lettuce, cheese, tomato, guac, whatever kinds of pieces of meat that you want to put on the sandwich. And it, it does look like this crazy big thing, but, but honestly, that's what he's doing. He's, he's building things up like this, but he's also horizontally as he's going along, he's also building on, um, on the depth of, of the orchestration slash, um, uh, not the harmonic structure, but the um, the built of uh, of the uh, it's it's polyphonic. That's what I wanted to say. It's polyphonic because of Very the, the so. instruments who are in there. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I think you said uh, what you, what you mentioned about it not being or not sounding minimalistic, but if you listen into it, you you can hear it. Um, I think a lot of Hisashi's music gets its sound from the fact that he hides minimalism like uh, especially more of his more melodic stuff is that he hides the middle the minimalism in a way that makes it seem more um uh what's the word i'm looking for uh or uh, let me say in a way that makes it seem more traditional than it does minimalistic and i think that's what gives him his own unique sound because you know williams has his own sound because of his orchestration Hisashi has his own sound, partially because of orchestration, but more so because of his composing style, which I think you can really see in this movement in particular. Mm -hmm. And so if you listen closely enough, right, you do hear those pieces that it is. But if you're just a casual listener, I don't mean just a casual listener. We love casual listeners. We love casual listeners. Hello to all of our casual listeners. <laughs> However, if you have a musically trained ear, if you listen and you will hear those minimalistic ideas, and you get the added benefit of some of the non-minimalistic elements that he throws in there. Right, right. And there is that level of kind of like the, the, the mystic right. uh, of just of seeing something, you know, like, wow, this is just so cool. But but Joe Isashi, what he really does really well is he, like you said, like he hides it yeah. so well. Um, and then you get this this kind of jumbled mess but it's still so organized at the same right time. exactly it's it's, so cool. it's like uh what do they call it um organized chaos right yeah and uh ironically the piece ends yep I, as it I, does I, with I, so many I, of his I, just sort of <laughs> just, it just ends and i have to go to therapy um <laughs> <laughs> as hunter's been taking me quite a few times um yes and that's true and i feel like i i, I can't get enough of this piece 
Um, and, and something that's really cool, like I, like I mentioned with the first, expands, it shortens, the phrases are kind of all over the place. Um, I don't think I have to go into that anymore. Um, synth comes back in this movement. Uh, super expansive, super bright. And I think he really likes that sound. Um, and what's really funny is the thing that I, I loved watching in this piece was was how how Joe was just like, and all the all the players like one, two, three, four, five, and they were <laughs> they were counting so hard in this piece. Um, it almost reminded me of that that conversation that we had um, with with Nicole about become ocean how you really just need to like super focus on like the time and how hard it is to come in. And cause you have to wait so long to come in. Um, this kind of reminds me of, of, of really like what, what that is, but um, such a, such a cool, cool effect too. Um, mm -hmm. so, yeah. Any, any extra thoughts about this piece? No, I think you did. I think you hit the nail on the head. Oh, great. Okay. All right. So uh, are we ready to talk about the next one? And the next one uh, that he wrote is called the dead. D-E-A-D, sweet. Um, man, oh man, oh man. Uh, I've had my triggers with some atonal music in the past. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there, there is really a place for it in this world, and I love it. I think, I think that there are really, really good writers of atonal music out there. Um, Joe is one of them. Um, I can't say that this is always my cup of tea because it's something that I, I turn on and I'm like, yeah, let's go, atonal music. Exactly. Um, you're like sitting there and you're trying to relax and you're like, oh, yes, yeah. peace. Oh, yes. Uh, I think I'm, not. I'm at the spa. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into this a little bit. Um, it, it starts out soft. And then it really takes this big leap forward with some really serious atonal music. Um, it really did remind me of some sections of Princess Mononoke because, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> again, I don't know why that's a kid's movie. Um, <laughs> but, it, but it is. It's very gory uh, kid's movie. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's very emotional, very expressionistic. Um, it, it just reminds me of Joe Hisashi on a really bad day where he's just kind of like, ah, he's going to be writing whatever he wants to, to express that uh, inner emotion. And that's kind of where expressionism really came from anger and frustration. Right. So, um, your thoughts, my friend. My first note in, in, in my, in my notes is that there are moments, so it's funny that you said it there are moments in this piece where despite the fact that it is atonal you hear his tonal signature sure. that we hear from his movie music yes. which you know just is i feel like he puts it in there to remind the listener that like i don't want to say that he knows what he's doing but it's to remind them that like he has his style this right. is still his work he's experimenting with something different you you know you hear that you when you listen to something you don't know whether it's him whether it's anyone you always look for something that you recognize because if you don't understand something it can be very challenging to get into it right and that goes for anything not just music it goes for whether you're reading something you don't understand doing math you don't understand what you know whatever it is so i feel like he throws some of his signatures in there just to remind the listener that like 
This is not so out of the realm of possibility. This is his music. We've heard his music before, but it's something I have not yet done before. You know what I mean? So it's like you hear those moments of his tonality in there just to sort of keep you engaged in it. Especially right. if, like you said, if, if the atonality is not your cup of tea and it's not something you're just going to throw on to listen to while you're cleaning the house, um, <laughs> unless you're like being attacked by things. Yeah. And so, you know, having said that, the atonality does not necessarily appeal to me. Right. But I can appreciate it for what it is. Right. Because 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 what it is, it's, it's it's anger, it's frustration, it's exactly it's pure destruction. And and we hear that sometimes in his music, which which is really mm -hmm. catastrophic and really kind of like, wow, really, really definitely groundbreaking. It, it also kind of reminds me of um, we talked about Hanabi. We talked about the, the fish. Oh, yeah. And in the in, in the spear a little bit. Um, yep. it, it reminds me of, of that where like, it's, it's very kind of like super laser focused and that's exactly what, mm -hmm. what the piece is. Um, and, and, and here's, here's a couple of notes that I wrote down, uh, fierce and in your face, churning and repetitive figures, a little bit of a minimalistic figure, but it is really more expressionistic and atonal, which is right. basically where, where the piece really comes from. Um, and Again, I have I have to go to therapy because the ending doesn't sound like Joe Asashi, but it it, it it is so again so aggressive and so fierce. Um, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what I wrote down. Uh, your thoughts about maybe the ending? Well, I said very in my actually I had this written. I said very aggressive attack of the killer strings on the downbeat. <laughs> Kill you know what I mean? So Kill it's tomatoes, like it, you know it has that sort of. That very almost like horror esque genre, which yeah. you know is often you know that music is meant to uh, convey an emotion, just like this is. So I wonder if he's done one. Has has he ever done horror movie? Anything? I don't know. I don't know that he has. Yeah, I don't know. He might have. He might. I think that's something to look into, um, and that we'll we'll talk about maybe that after the break, um, which actually leads us to taking a break, uh, featuring mm -hmm. our, our friends at Anchor. And if you'd like to support this podcast, please go to anchor.com and search Music Speaks Podcast to find ways to reach out to us. And you will find our social media and ways that you can contribute to said podcast. I'll take a break and we'll be back and we'll talk about the Borders Concerto in return. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, here we go. Yes, thank you so much to Joe Hisashi. Uh, like Sean said, we'll see you next time. As we say goodbye, we would just like to announce that we launched a new logo. We now we have a bird. It's a very nice little bird. It, you know, it's like Mr. Tweety Bird. Um, and please fill out the form on Spotify to pick a new name for our bird mascot. Um, Sean? Oh, yes. And uh, my name is Sean Kunis. And her name here spiritually is Mary Haddix. My name is Hunter Sagona. And we will see you next time. So remember to keep listening to what you love.